Amen, amen. If you came to this house today needing a miracle, a touch from God in your life, if you came with a specific and particular need, I want you to know that we don't have an ambiguous God. We've got a specific God. <laughs> We've got a God. Oh, somebody, somebody today needs to reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. Amen. I want you to know the Bible said that they brought unto him the multitudes. And Jesus prayed for them. And the Bible doesn't say that the multitudes were healed. He said he healed them all. In other words, he had a specific miracle for every single one. He knew that that one was a leper. He didn't mistake. Oh, he didn't mistake a miracle for a blind man. Hallelujah. And give a leper that had 2100 vision, 2020 vision. Hallelujah. And let the blind man go. I want you to know that he healed the leper who had leprosy. And he healed the blind man. And the boy. Oh, yeah. I said, God knows what you've got need of in this building today. He knows what you came facing. And the problems that you've carried around. But he's got a specific miracle. Amen, amen. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm excited about being back. Hallelujah. I hope you're excited about having me as I am about being back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I was, take your Bible, if you will, uh, today. I was on my, getting ready to come. And I told my wife last night, I had, uh, I had phone calls ringing off the, hook last night and I forgot to bring my I forgot to bring my plug in for my phone the the inside plug in I've only got the one for the car and so finally I was having to tell people look I'm in this motel room just call me back in my room and they were calling from Louisiana and Texas and uh, Ohio and Illinois and and uh, hallelujah so I was sitting there and finally I, I, I called my wife and I said call me back at this number and we talked for a little bit she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm talking to Jesus and talking to this one and that one. And I said, I didn't bring, I didn't bring any notes this time. I purposely took my notes and folded them up and stuck them away. And uh, because God had moved so specifically and with distinct words. Amen. I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't come just to say something today. I've come with a little something to say. Hallelujah. Amen. If I just come to if I just come to say something, I would have brought a sermon. I would have pulled something out of the file and said, "Well, they haven't heard this. This is pretty good." Amen. But I came, amen, with my mind made up that God has the last week of revival that we were in several weeks ago. I just simply opened up my Bible, brother Acorn. He was he. I finally I told him. I said, "Here, take my notes. Don't let me have them." Amen. God's talking, and so. And so I figured that the same God that was here then is going to be here now. <laughs> Amen. Good to see everyone here today, specific guests and friends that have come and all of the home folks. Amen. Got to have some homegrowns to have a revival. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. I'm not going to labor long with long introductions and introductory remarks. I want to go straight to the Word of the Lord, and I need God to help me today. I've written down a few scriptures 
just simply to kind of guide me through the thought process. And we're just going to believe God. Now, see, you've got to understand that sermons, messages like this are not sermons because when you don't have an outline to follow, it becomes interactive. When I preach a sermon from an outline and I've got my notes written out, I've got to finish my paragraph. I've got a specific thought that I'm trying to say. Amen. But when you begin to go from verse to verse and just simply preaching as the Holy Ghost begins to move, what it does is it causes a reaction in you. Paul said that the word preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. The powerful thing is the word of God can be true. The prophecy can be from the Lord, but it's got to be mixed with faith. Hallelujah. Hippocrates, in one of his writings, uh, Hippocrates, of course, considered the father of modern medicine, the great Greek thinker and, and, uh, and uh, biologist and scientist. Hippocrates wrote concerning the process of digestion. He said that food is put in the mouth, it is chewed, it is swallowed, and in the stomach it undergoes transformation. He said it's mixed with gastric juices and broken down so that it can deliver the nutrients throughout the body. He was describing the process of digestion. The terminology that Hippocrates used when he said mixed with gastric juices is the same words that Paul used when he said mixed with faith. In other words, Paul is thinking along the same lines. Paul understands that the Word of God is bread. He understands it's meat for our soul. He understands that we've got to take it and we've got to implement it and we've got to chew it and we've got to swallow it. But once it gets in me, there is a process that begins to undergo. And faith begins to break it down. And faith begins to deliver it to my several parts. And all of a sudden, faith takes it apart. And the nutrients that I need for my soul and my spirit. And for me to make it another day. My God, hear me somebody. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, <laughs> but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want you to know your spirit makes you alive. The body without the spirit is dead. And you've got to have some bread for your spirit. <laughs> My Lord in heaven, I feel, I feel revelatory power flowing right now. So we're reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31. Amen. You got it? 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31. Kevin Trudeau in the Mega Memory Course says, just learn it fast. Hallelujah. 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31. Verse 5. And God called the light day, and the darkness called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Verse 8, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Verse 13, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 23, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 
And I want to preach for a few moments to you this morning on this subject that God dropped into my heart just last night for this service today. And God said, talk to the people about this subject. What a difference a day can make. What a difference a day can make. Hallelujah. Lift your voices. I need the anointing and so do you. Come on. Come on, stir up that faith that's going to break down that word. Come on, stir up that faith that's going to break down that word. It's not just simply in the intrinsic power of the word. But I've got to have faith stirred up. Hallelujah. Anoint me, O oh God. Anoint these lips of clay. Anoint our ears to hear. We bind every spirit of doubt and fear and unbelief and confusion. I come against the spirit of fear and confusion right now in the name of Jesus. I lose faith and liberty in the Holy Ghost right now. And miracle virtue to flow in this building right now. Hallelujah. Confusion. Lose your grip on him. Confusion. Lose your grip on her. Let them go right now. Fear your bound. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You can be seated if you promise not to sit down on me. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of crazy in Jesus today, so you're just going to have to hang with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verses 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31. That we read and read... This morning out of the book of Genesis chapter 1. Words that come after the introductory remarks that were spoken by Moses when he said in the beginning God. The Bible said that at one particular time in Moses' life. That Moses said unto the Lord, I've seen your miracles. I've seen your power. I saw what you did when I walked up to that body of water and extended the rod. That rod that while I was running from your will. Somebody hear me right here. Amen. There's times in your life that God calls you to lead people. And the devil, if he can get you out of your ordained pattern, if God can get you out of your ordained place, you can be satisfied leading something, but it's not what God wants you to lead. My God in heaven. Amen. Moses said, I understand my calling is to lead sheep or lead people. He said, but I'm going to lead sheep instead because it gives me some satisfaction. Amen. But I want you to understand that ultimately when you come to the realization that I'm only doing a small part of what God's called me to do, a hunger will rise in your spirit. And the Bible said that while Moses was on the side of a mountain, I want you to understand there's got to be the climb 
climbing up process. You've got to be making your way up the mountain. I want somebody to know you can't be satisfied with the valley. Hear me someone. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David understood the valley is not a place for me to stay. I'm not going to build my home in the valley. I'm just passing through. You see, when David in the 23rd Psalm, I, I'm, I'm fixing to preach, I'm just warming up, hallelujah. In the 23rd Psalm, when David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you've got to recognize by David's own wording that he shows his resolve. He shows his understanding of process. And he shows his understanding that God is doing something with me. I want you to understand that there have come times in my life and times in yours when you found yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Everything that was evil and everything that was contradictory to the word of God and everything that would try to rob faith and confuse your mind surrounded you. All you could see was the dark cliffs. Amen. The sun didn't even make its way into the place that you were. But David said, I understand that I've got a God that's leading me. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he, I understand he has not brought me here to leave me here. I'm not going to stay in this place I'm not going to put my tent pegs down here I'm not going to build a home this is not my dwelling he said I've got something on the other side there's an appointment on the other side and I'm not going to stay right here because God's got a place for me through the valley amen you see, David was translating his experience of a shepherd into his understanding of what God was doing in his life. There were times when the in the land of Palestine that when the water, the snow melted on the mountaintops, the snow would trickle down onto mountaintop plateaus, and the beautiful uh, lush grass would begin to form in the springtime, and the the pastures and the grazing lands. That they had spent through the winter. Hallelujah. It was necessary for them to get up there. Because if they were going to make it through the time of summer, they were going to have to be on a mountaintop. Hear me, somebody. I want you to understand in your walk with God, everything operates in the principle of timing and rhythm. Amen. God's got a place for you at a certain time. If God can have you in the right time but the wrong place, you're not going to get your miracle. If God can get you in the right, uh, wrong uh, time but the right place, you're not going to get your miracle. It's like the man that said, when my train comes in, I'm going to be down at the port. Amen. I want you to understand that God says timing and rhythm determined that I get into in the fullness of time. God came down to a virgin and said, can I use your body? She was in the right place and the right time. And a miracle began to flow. And I want somebody to understand. I feel in the Holy Ghost that we're in the right place. And we're also in the right time. And David said, but if I... For me to get to the right place sometimes requires some dark valley passages. Can I say that again? Sometimes for me to get to the right place, you see time's going to come. But for me to get to the right place are going to require some dark valley passages. And David said if I stay in the dark valley, he said I'm not going to get there on time. 
about now. The devil's trying to tell you to sit down and forget about. The devil's trying to tell you to stop going and just fold your arms. The devil said, well, just wait on God. I want you to know David said, no. He said, I'm not even going to put my tent down. I'm not even going to unfold my backpack. He said, yay, though I walk through. He said, I'm going to make up in my mind. I'm going to put this foot in front of the other. And I'm going to keep on going until I arrive at the right place in the right time. I told you revelation was in this building. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And so it is that Moses, Moses was on a mountain. And God said, Moses, I want you to throw your rod down. Moses throws the rod down, of course, in front of that burning bush after he's taken his shoes off. By the way, let me just tell you, sometimes the only thing that separates you from the full glory of God is just about a half an inch of leather. He said, take your shoes off and all of the glory will come to you. Amen. I want you to know sometimes, uh, sometimes, oh, somebody doesn't know what leather is. Leather's just cowhide. I want you to know there's times that the only thing that separates me from the full glory of God moving in my life is a little bit of flesh. Listen, Jesus told the disciples, He said, take your nets and cast them on the other side. In other words, sometimes your miracle is only the width of your vessel away. What? I want you to understand that that God could have brought fish to that side. He said, but I want you to understand that there's going to be times. Speak a spiritual principle. I want you to live a metaphor. I want your life to become an illustration. You are going to become a living object lesson. The fish were there all the time. The only thing that separated you from the great drought. Somebody, I believe that there are times that there are multitudes of fish just right here. And God says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go from this side to this side. He said, just go across the vessel. There's times when God speaks into my life and yours and says, look, you've been fishing on the flesh side. Ah, you've been fishing on the flesh side. You've been trying on the flesh side. You've got an Ishmael running around. But I want to give you an Isaac. Just go the width of your vessel away. And on the spirit side is a breakthrough. God's speaking your answer. I said, God's speaking your answer. The fish are there. The, the revival's there. The breakthrough's there. It's only the width of your vessel away. I feel something moving. Hallelujah. 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 Uh, the Bible said that Sarah got alone. I'm preaching the difference a day makes. We're gonna get there in a minute. Amen. But we gotta go through a we gotta go through a little something sometime to get to the morning. Uh, let's make it through the nighttime in this first part of this message, and the morning light's gonna shine. I want somebody joys coming. Sarah looks at Abraham. 
says, Abraham, you know, God spoke the miracle. And, and the miracle's on you. The blessing's on you. Out of thy loin. Oh, thank you, G. I'm telling you, there's a spirit of revelation. Do you understand what the spirit of revelation is? It's when God begins to pour divine wisdom in your brain that wasn't there before. That's what God wants to do. I know that shock shouldn't surprise you, but you know what? There's some folks in this building right now that God wants to do some things and put some things in you by the time this service is over that wasn't in here when you walked in. just spoke to me. God just spoke something to my heart as I was walking up. Said, see, see, the preacher's got to understand that he's got to become the spiritual paradigm. You've got to be willing to step up and open yourself and expose your soul and not bring some patty cake sermon and some pre-established because if you want them to receive something that they didn't have, you've got to be willing to... You've got to be willing to become the paradigm. You've got to be willing to become the vessel through which that new thing flows. So Sarah says, so Sarah says, hey, you know, Hagar, uh, you know, what's it matter? I mean, I mean, from thy lines, God said he's going to make a great nation. See, but I want you to understand. God's not only concerned with the prophecy and the promise. God's concerned with the vehicle of choice. I want you to understand that I'm sick and tired of church being what the choir can. No, 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 no. I understand what I'm saying. I understand what I'm saying. My wife is in Houston, Texas right now, leading a choir, a church of 350, 400 people, great church, revival church. Amen. Choir sings. Just had a choir clinic. I believe in choir. I believe in music. I believe it all. Be awesome. I believe in Sunday school. I believe I had the best Sunday school that anybody has. Hallelujah. Praise God. But let me explain something to you. All of a sudden, the vehicle of choice. <laughs> can become the choir. The vehicle of choice can become the music. The vehicle of choice can become the Sunday school program. The vehicle of choice can become the programs the church is involved in. I want you to understand programs are wonderful. But God said the vehicle of choice is something that before I touched it could not Sarah convinces Abraham, the miracle's going to flow through you. The promise is in you. The, the prophecy is in you. What's it matter if you choose Hagar? And so they have a child. His name is Ishmael. And God comes down and says, that's not the kid that I've chosen. Because he's the son of human intervention. He's the son of what your flesh could produce. He said, but I want to choose a vehicle that is, uh, that, that is absolutely uh, infertile. I want to choose a womb that cannot bear a child. I want to put my seed in in something, a vehicle that does not have the potential to bring it to fruition. And somehow in this building, I want you to understand that you can have an Ishmael revival and you can enjoy it for a while. But all of a sudden, God will come along and say, I want to send you the Isaac. I want to send you the promised son. I want to send it through a vessel that could not up until this point bear. I want to put it in the womb of something that's not been able. Because God says, that's the dynamic of faith. Moses said, God, I, he said, I've seen your power. I've seen your glory. I've extended the rod. I, I've watched the manna come. I've watched water flow from the rock. I've seen quail come in. I've seen you do some tremendous things. 
but I want to see your glory. I'm tired of seeing your stuff. I want to see your face. And God comes along and says, Moses, no, you can't see my face because he said, the minute you see my face, you'll die. He said, but there's a place by me. You need to understand in this building today that God is speaking to you. When your spiritual fervor and your desire begins to pray, God, I want to see things I've never seen before. I want to experience things I've never I want to see your spirit and your glory and your power. I don't just want to see your stuff. I don't just want to hear the wind blowing in the trees. I want to see your face. And God is speaking, saying, for all of those that hunger in that dimension, there is a place by me. He said it was a place that was cleft out when I made the world. It was a place that I prepared when I knew you'd ask that question. He said, I knew eons ago when my eternal mind saw a world. I knew that you would stand and ask me this question. And so when I made the mountains, I didn't have to scoop out this place. I want you to understand the plan of God's never responsive. My. The plan of God's not responsive and the devil never catches God on his heel. The, the devil never throws God a curveball. God never has to go to plan B. In your life, God's still on plan A. Uh, the beloved John said, the, the, the beloved John said, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. Uh, in other words, God doesn't look at your life and go, well, they messed up, they ruined it, they, they, it's, it's all fouled up. Uh, I guess we're going to have to go to plan B, back to the wrong. No, no, no. He says, go back to Calvary. Go back to plan A. He said, I'll take you back uh, and I'll start you from their own. I want somebody to know, your promise hasn't died. Your miracle hasn't died. Your prophecy isn't dead. God's still in plan A. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God says, I'm going to put my hand on the, 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 the entry of that rock. I wish, I wish I could preach to you all that I feel right now. I wish I had the time, but I really feel like I need to just hit the high points of this and move on. But the Bible said that Moses went into that place uh, and all of a sudden it got dark. Oh, the word of God flowing to somebody right now. I want you to understand the darkness was not the devil's plan. It was not the devil's design. I want you to understand that sometimes God puts his hand on the mouth. The only place that light entered into your life sometimes is covered up by the hand of God. I want you to understand that God may have a plan, 
God may want to show you the difference that one day makes. God may want to show, oh, I could preach to somebody right now. He may keep you in that place for a while. He may keep you in that place for a season. You may question and wonder, where has God been? And why am I in this dark place? But I want you to know that God's got a design. God says, look, He says, you only understand it in the realm of the earth when it gets by you. Somebody hear what I'm preaching. We understand it in human intellect and philosophy by saying hindsight. You know the old grassroots saying hindsight's 2020. You understand that God has given us a view of the past, but we don't have a view of the future. That's why we sing the songs, many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I can't see the future. I can't see tomorrow. And so some... And so sometimes God puts me in a cleft. Sometimes God puts me in a dark place. Sometimes God puts me in an uncomfortable spot. Sometimes God puts me in a place that I don't have much breathing room. I feel squelched. I feel, I feel confused. I feel constrained. But I want you to know that God's keeping you there until this season is over. And all of a sudden, when He passes by, He removes His hand and He says, Moses, you're going to see my hinder parts. Now listen to me somebody in the Hebrew text it does not mean you're going to see my backside in the Hebrew that phrase the parts that come after the hinder parts the parts that come after in other words God was specifically saying Moses I'm going to pass by you and you're going to see the things that come after my passing See, oftentimes we look at it and say, oftentimes we look at it and we say, you know, uh, God, God was saying, Moses, you can't see my face. Did you see my face? You're going to die. So I'll just show you my back. Listen, God's not concerned with showing you any of his body parts. God said, Moses, he said, you've got to get a revelation of the difference a day makes. You've got to get a revelation of the difference of what ha- I feel powerful right now. You've got to get a revelation of what happens when I pass by. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You might not see it coming. You might not have been able to predict it. But when He passes... Ah... How many of you, how many of you have stayed up late at night and you have held your wife's hand and you've looked her in the eye and said, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how many times that I've preached revivals and I got done preaching the revival and I didn't have anywhere to go. And I was first starting out preaching and nobody, and everybody would say to me, Gillingham, let's see, uh, uh, does your dad pastor somewhere? And, and I would say, no, my dad's a basketball coach. And, 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 and they say, well, I'll call you when I need you. And I want you to understand that there were times when nobody called. I had a, I had a brother, Larry Ferris, who's the, uh, LJC district superintendent in Ohio. I talked to him recently and, uh, he, he was telling me, he said, you need to come by and see our new church and preach for us. And I said, well, I'm a little busy right now. He said, oh, I understand. He said, yeah, when there was a day, he said, when you didn't have anywhere to go and he said, you'd come preach for us and now 
you big time. I said, no, no, no. But I remember those days. I remember those nights that we closed out a revival. And I hooked up my trailer and didn't know where we were going to go. I hooked up the trailer and we started driving. And my wife said, where are we going? And I said, I don't know. But God's got a place prepared. Sometimes, sometimes you've just got to hook up and say, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what comes around the bend. But I know that there's something that God's prepared in the Spirit. I've been in a dark place. His hand's been covering the entrance. There's been no exit for me. There's been no escape from this trial. But I know that when He lifts His hand off the mouth of the cave, I'm going to look out and I'm going to see something that was not there. Yesterday. It's my personal belief. That it was in this time. That God showed Moses. The book of Genesis. And the creation of the world. For the Bible says that the earth was. Without form and voided. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God. God's answer has never been a new philosophy. God's answer has never been a new theory. God's answer has never been a new idea. God's answer to your confusion has always been a move of the Spirit. The words in the Hebrew... The earth was Toho and Wobohu. Toho means not put together. And Wobohu means completely in utter confusion. And the Spirit of God moved. And where chaos existed... Cosmos follow. When unordered world prevailed, in the wake of God's moving, came complete cosmos and order. One day, it was completely empty and confused and dark. And the next day, <clears throat> What a difference a day can make. <clears throat> I close with this. <clears throat> I've got a, I got some more scriptures to read, but we're at a good stop, stopping point here. <clears throat> That's why the psalmist said, "Weeping may endure for night." Joy coming in the morning. Our problem is, is we understand that a day is the measure, 24 hour time period, how long it takes the earth to spin once. 
And too many times we see days pass on end with no change. And you come to the house of God on a Sunday morning and the devil says, what difference is one Sunday morning going to make? My friend right here, he came up to me in the revival. And he was driving to the church. And he said, I felt such opposition. And he told God, he said, God, if you'll just get me to the house of God. The devil says, it's no use. Forget it. It's all ruined. It's destroyed. You might as well hang it up. But this man right here can tell you the difference that one service. One move of the spirit. One touch of God in your life. Those nights that I held my wife's hand and looked at her and she said, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden God pulled his hand back and we arrived. Sometimes a phone call would come. Pastor would call. He'd say, where are you at right now? I'd just say on the road. How much time do we spend in God on the road? But there's something about walking through the valley. Why don't you come to my church? God spoke to me last night and told me, have you come? We've been going through some stuff. But I think we're ready for revival. A day can make. In the darkness of a night after revival's over and you closed in that check, you don't know how long it's going to have to last. And all of a sudden, the next day, you're en route to a revival and God blesses it. But He was moving. And the devil says, well, you don't have anywhere to go. You might as well just stay here. No, no, I've got to get moving because I can't get out of timing. God's got a place. I just got to get there in the right time. I want you to stand all over the building this morning. I feel the presence of the Lord. She is the head RN of a particular wing of a hospital in Houston. She goes to the church that we have been basing out of. She's been having some headaches, dizziness, blurred vision. She went to one of the Doctors that she worked closely with 
He sent her straight down to have a brain scan. And they found an aggressive cancerous tumor. 26 years old. She walked into the house of God. Two days later. On a Sunday night. I watched her walk in. Shaking her face was white. I could see the fear in her heart. And I remember they call off the prayer request. <clears throat> Pray for this one and that one. And if you've got a need in your body, <laughs> the word of God says. She stepped out of her pew and made her way up and came to the altar. And it was not anything tremendously dynamic. But the next day was her birthday. And the doctor said, I'm going to pay for another brain scan for you as a birthday present. And at the end of that brain scan, the doctor said, your God's done it. It's gone. <laughs> I'm telling someone here today, the devil's saying, forget it. It doesn't matter anymore. It's over. But I'm here to tell you one day can make all the difference. One visit to an altar can make all the difference. One touch of God can change you forever. Oh, come on, somebody. I want everyone in this building, this may be a little different way to do it, but I want you to close your eyes, tilt your head upward, and lift your hands. Come on. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Four times in scripture the Bible says tomorrow about this time. What's prevailed for months without end is going to stop. And you're going to have a miracle. I want somebody right now that's felt faith in their soul. I want you to step out of your pew. And I want you to make your way to this altar. And I want you to find out the difference one day can make. I want you to find out the difference one trip to an altar can make. Come on. Come on. They're coming from all over this. There's a touch of God. Look at this. My God in heaven, there's a touch of the Holy Ghost. One service, one altar visit. One move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, sweet God of glory. Do it right now, Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. One day can change it all. One day can change it all.
this moment your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as He goes. 